Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here and great to have you along. If this is the first of our podcasts you've listened to, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and come along for the ride. Kiwi Rider Podcast is out absolutely free for you to listen to on every podcasting platform once every single week. Kiwi Rider Magazine at kiwirider.co.nz is an absolutely free magazine for you to enjoy full of all sorts of motorcycling goodness based right here in Kiwi Land and it's out absolutely free twice a month. Uh, as I said, my name is Ray Heron and uh, joining me this episode, it is the one and only, the news hound, Matthew Day Gillett. G'day, Matt. <laughs> hey, man, I've not been doing much news hounding lately. I don't know if I'm really deserving of that title. Nah, man, you do the news stuff. You do all the newsy stuff that goes in the magazine. And then I steal it for the podcast. Yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow night. That's my job of my thing to do before my deadline with Ben, who, yeah, isn't even in the country. I wonder if... My deadline gets pushed today because he's going to be 12 hours behind. Mm. I should find that out. That'd be really awesome if it was. I forgot an extra 12 hours because he went off to the UK. (laughs) Yeah, but then you just procrastinate (laughs) and be as busy as you would normally be 12 hours later. Yeah, true. Uh, Coming up in this week's episode, Matthew Day Gillett, he has been riding a bike that he doesn't like. Quite often we're accused of being too complimentary about bikes, so we'll rip into something very shortly. Cardo's record function, let's dive into that later on. And Matt's been installing uh, accessories on his Matamorini X-Cape. But first, let's get into the top five. And this week, it is the top five types of riders you see on Kiwi Roads, Matt. And I'd like your input on these. Maybe some of these have subcategories as well. Number five uh, on the top five riders you see on the roads in New Zealand, the diehard Harley fan. Generally these are seen (laughs) outside the fish and chip shop or the local pub. They only come out during the day and during sunny days because uh, they don't like water spots on their chrome Uh, and they don't go very far. I think a long ride for a Harley would be 200k's in a day. Ooh, ooh, making fighting words. I'm picturing Mike's going to have something to say about this. I think he'll who agree. Is the highly fan we know. <laughs> he, he tried to get out <laughs> last out, weekend, wasn't he? He tried to get out last weekend. He got 200 meters down the road and got a few spots of rain on his chrome. So he turned around and went home again, and then went out this weekend. <laughs> he did have nice weather, and he went all the way to Helensville or something. From Which is really far when you live in West Auckland. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know where Helensville is, but yeah, he's in West Auckland. He, he sold his sport bike and his uh, classic Yamaha and bought a Harley. How do you do that? Well, easily. Subcategory, <laughs> subcategory. We're talking before we started recording. Um, the the wannabe gangster on the V Rod. Yeah, it seems like honestly, I if you see a V Rod that's not been messed with, I reckon it's worth big bank because. <laughs> It seems every Harley V-Rod, which they made from, what, the early 2000s until sort of mid-2010s, I want to say. Like, if you find a Harley V-Rod or V-Rod subcategory bike that's not been messed with, hasn't been all gangstered up, um, yeah, (laughs) you see only seem to see them with big eight-hanger bars, obnoxious pipes being ridden by guys wearing T-shirts, jandals, and shorts uh, with one of those silly, like, (laughs) German army helmet style helmets on. They cannot do very good when they crash. I mean, the ape hangers would dig into the ground something chronic. Not to mention, I know why they don't go out when it's cold, because you get your armpits cold. That's like a a bit of the body that you want to keep warm. you got your arms up in the air. The wind's going straight up (laughs) your sleeves, up your armpits. Oh, I went into um, Auckland Harley-Davidson a couple of weeks ago when I was up in the big smoke, and I felt so out of place. (laughs) But we... 
Oh, I, yeah, I'm not even going to go there because it's just too easy. <laughs> well, let's carry on with our top five. The top five types of riders you see on Kiwi roads. This is one for us, Matt. Number four, the adventurer. Now, this is a type of rider <laughs> that unless you are an adventurer, you never see. They don't ride in the city. The only time they do motorways is to get from dirt road to dirt road. Uh, and uh, they've generally got all the gear. We're talking, you know, peaked helmet. They've got the Krieger. They've got the the Revit or the Climb gear. That they, they spend big bucks and they get dirty. And the mantra <laughs> of an adventure rider is is generally uh, a motorbike can go anywhere if you have enough commitment and enough talent, <laughs> or enough money to dig yourself out of the hole you dig. Uh, when you inevitably crash your rather expensive ADV bike and break said parts on it and, um, yeah, then have to wait for parts and rebuild it. You do need a uh, budget just, when you're, ad- you're an adventurer, don't you? Yeah, well, heck, like, I've got the 250 Rally and I've been toying with the idea of getting new plastics for it and I sent an email to the local Honda dealership and for one panel... They wanted nearly 500 bucks for a 250 rally panel. Um, yeah, I was a bit taken and, and aback you, by you can't, that. You can't get them from uh, dirt, the people that do aftermarket dirt plastics? No, no one does them. You have to get genuine Honda. So, um, yeah, it actually works out cheaper to not buy them in New Zealand. You, have to, you can buy them cheaper from overseas and pay through the nose in shipping and still come out miles ahead. Um, in terms of uh, how much you pay for plastics, which is quite crazy. Similar story with the Tenere 700. Of course, I cracked the right-hand side fairing because it fell over in the garage and landed on the water blaster, which I was quite dark about. I had to get two, well, I didn't have to, but I got two side panels and the tail section cost me $800 ex-Japan through Yamaha New Zealand. And then I gave them the chassis number for the black and blue model. I ended up with the white and red model. <laughs> oh, bugger. But that's Project that- Midnight, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. Uh, let's continue with our top five, the top five list of riders you'll see on the roads in New Zealand. Number three, this is one I'd kind of fit into, the hardcore commuter. They ride in <laughs> sun, they ride in rain, they ride in snow, they ride in hail. They've generally got all the gear, including heated grips. They've got uh, probably a heated vest, and they think themselves quite hard because they think themselves, you know, a serious rider because they ride all year round. <laughs> that was me and uni but um, minus the heated grips minus the good gear i was just too poor to afford a car and too stubborn to use public transport so i was commuting from albany to the cbd in auckland uh rain hail um tornado i commuted during one of the albany tornadoes that was fun um and yeah i would get frequently soaked i'd frequently get home and i'd have like blue limbs like i'd get that cold um, yeah, it's fun to look back at those days, but um, I'd rather be a more hardcore commuter, as you described, than what I did. I still commute daily. Um, I still see when I got into motorcycling, it was a cheap form of transport. You know, it was twenty bucks a tank, if that. You could go two hundred and something odd k's, and uh, registration was a lot cheaper. But then, not long after I got into it, registration went up, and it was no longer a, a cheap mode of transport. But I, I commute every day 
up until about a year ago when I started my new job, I commuted every day because there was no parking at work and it was cheaper and quicker. Nowadays, I have a car park at work, but I still ride the bike most days because it's it's quicker. I don't get stuck in traffic. Um, so, yeah, I still fall into the hardcore commuter. I am hard. I ride every day <laughs> unless I have to take the car to work to do a delivery or something. Uh, the top five motorcyclists you see on the road around New Zealand. And at number two, this is more of an American one, I think. Uh, the Squid. They, uh, they, they've got a little bit of experience. They're generally riding a sport bike, a 600 to a 1,000. They enjoy wheelies and stoppies. They don't wear all the gear. You, you'd be lucky if you see them wearing enclosed shoes, but uh, T-shirt and shorts quite <laughs> often. Um, and, and they're not afraid of a bit of speed. Occasionally, they do get Scraped up off the ground by the ambulances. Is, is, is. Social media heroes. You see, uh, like I'll be flicking through Instagram reels and stuff. And like you, the number of times, like I'm getting stuff pushed to me, like just people doing wheelies up American highways, wearing like just a helmet and they're in shorts and T-shirts and they look incredibly vulnerable. And then inevitably, because it's getting pushed to me, they crash and you can't help but laugh. It's only the crash videos that go very far, right? They're the ones that um, yeah. that the, the 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 algorithm really pushes to me anyway. And and they're doing a wheelie up the motorway, or they're doing two hundred kilometers an hour down the motorway. You can see the speedo, and you're just waiting for the car to pull out in front of them, and you're just cringing, <laughs> waiting for them to for the inevitable. <laughs> yeah, and then of course it was you know NZTA's fault or the equivalent over there because there was gravel <laughs> on the road. That's your squid. That's number two on the top five this week. Top five motorcyclists you see on the roads around New Zealand. Number one, I don't want to be too harsh on because we were all here at one stage. The newbie, they're nervous. They uh, they're doing their head checks. They've not long ago done their license test. Uh, they've got. Uh, Are you saying you don't do head checks, Ray? No, I'm saying I do head checks but these guys are making it obvious. Because <laughs> you know there's a difference between doing a head check and doing a head check so the instructor can see you doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or so. the little old lady following along on the uh, Toyota Vits, in my case, when I was doing my licensing. <laughs> so these guys don't have an opinion on the gear that they wear. They just wear whatever the, uh, the whatever they could include in the finance on their bike or whatever was pushed to them by the dealer. So generally that's uh, Oxford I'm picking or maybe Risha or, you know, one of those reasonably okay brands, but it's all about the name. Um, so these are the newbies, and we were all there, and, and I respect a newbie on the road. And what I respect more is the newbies that are out there trying to better their knowledge. The ones that ask questions. They see you do something, and they're like, why did you do that? And you can have a conversation with them. Um, there's a newbie mm. around Wellington who's riding an X-Cape, funnily enough, and uh, I, I had some conversations with him. He was asking questions, and I, I was like, great, I, I love your attitude, and let's go for a ride. Well, we could so easily slide into what's the most noob thing you remember from being a newbie. <laughs> go for it. What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the most noob thing you remember from being a newbie? So I, my first bike was the GT250 Hire Sung, and it had – the more I look back at it, the more it was very clear that it had been written off and rebuilt. Um, didn't come with an instruction manual or anything like that. And I started learning to ride on that um, and didn't go riding with dad um, who had a Triumph Bonneville at the time. Um, I just go riding around, ride to uni. And for me, I didn't know how to turn off the indicator properly. 
I'd never had to do it in my basic handling skills test. You don't have to operate the indicator at all, um, which is, yeah, thank goodness for um, CBTA testing now. But um, I have this distinct memory of getting off um, the Auckland motorway at, I think it was Cook Street, uh, going into the CBD, go to uni, and to turn the indicator off, I would flick it the opposite direction to try and cancel the indicator instead of just thumbing in to cancel the indicator, um, which I eventually worked out, but it's an embarrassing amount of time before it took I before I worked that out. Um, so that was like my super noob thing. Um, and I would have done that for at least six months. When I was a noob, I remember people telling me about counter steering and I was so confused. I'm like, counter steering and trail braking is the other one because that can incite massive There was like an obsession about it when we were starting riding, wasn't there? Like everyone was talking about you counter steering and nobody ever explained it. No. <laughs> like, and then or at least nobody explained it well. It wasn't for a couple of years that I, 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 I was confused about it and I kind of put it to the back of my mind and then I had a conversation with somebody and they actually explained it in a way I understood. And I went, why is this a big thing? I've been doing that for the entire time I've been riding. I actually found it intuitive. Mm, it's like riding a bicycle. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> but I think the thing is, what was it? The whole reason it was so amped up when we were learning to ride is people trying to teach people to ingrain the whole, like, all right, so you're going fast and you want to instinctively push left to go right or whatever it was um training your brain to do the opposite instead of just jerking the wheel like you would in a car sort of thing mm. i think that was the idea behind it but yeah i remember that too and just going huh on the what was it kiwi biker forums oh I'm sure if we went back into the archives there we'd be able to dredge up all sorts of things they're still around they are they're full of weird people there you go that's your top five this week the top five motorcyclists you'll see on the roads around new zealand do you agree do you disagree love to hear your feedback get in touch on social media keep the conversation going matt do you get cold armpits with riding with ape hangers we'd love to know <laughs> Matt, you've been riding uh, a bike lately from a well-known manufacturer and well, we've been told we've been too positive about a lot of bikes for a very long time. But to be honest, there are no bad bikes, except you don't like this one. Tell us about it. Yes. So I've it's not an outright like dislike or hatred or anything that nasty, but it's a bike that's really not lit a fire under me like a lot of bikes i get on i go oh yeah cool i can understand this and i can see why this is cool to some people and that um and the bike i'm riding at the moment which is a bmw f900 xr um at the beginning it confused me um i wasn't sure what it was trying to be so then i went and read the press release then i kind of was like okay i'm still confused um so this bike is bmw's sort of mid-capacity version of the s1000 xr um, so this has a 895, I believe, CC parallel twin. It's based off the GS motor, um, off the F850 GS. Um, has a quick shifter. It's got electronically adjustable um, rear shock, um, 105 horsepower, over 90 newton meters of torque. Very sporty. Looks a bit funny, and I think it's a little bit confused. It's trying to be a sporty tourer, um, but it definitely leans a bit more to the sport than the touring side. And I think that's kind of what, for me at least, hasn't really gelled. Historically, um, sport tourers, in my, in, in my experience, tend to be 
a little bit of a soft focused bike in both regards they don't tend to be too sporty and they don't tend to be amazing at touring so i'm not surprised that you're you're confused about this particular bike yeah well okay so in terms of the engine and the chassis dynamics it's lovely bike it um, handles really nicely um the power delivery is great it's got a nice um, punchy mid-range um it'll scream out um the quick shifter is brilliant that's the type of quick shifter that you can use instead of the clutch which i love because i love being lazy um but yeah in terms of so the sporty side it's pretty well sorted um it's when you sort of look at it as through the lens of a sporty tourer that it starts to kind of fall apart for me um the seat's quite uncomfortable i found you think is kind of a necessity for a tourer um and the windscreen while it's like got one of the best windshield adjusters out there it's so easy to just flick it between the two settings um you get a lot of buffeting regardless of where it's set um so yeah it's it's not been a uh, overwhelmingly positive experience with this bike um it's also a bit funny looking which like aesthetics are personalized to everyone um my wife had to make the um, observation though which kind of ruined it for me that it looks like bumblebee from the transformers movies uh when he's got his sort of face shield armor mask down um yeah once i once she said that it's one of those things that cannot be unseen <laughs> which isn't helped by the fact that this is the cool gold color as well um so yeah it's been an interesting interesting week with this bike um Oh, it's $26,000, but it does come with all the fruit and it's got some really, really good things about it, but it's just not a bike I've gelled with. So it's got heated hand grips. Perfect. Um, yeah, the TFT is brilliant. Oh, that's another thing. So because BMW Motorrad New Zealand specs these bikes out to the nines when they bring bikes in, um, the press bike I've got has the adapter plate for the BMW GPS. But the TFT has the option for navigation built in. So I don't understand the purpose of having the optional GPS there when you can link it in with your phone and you've got that ready to go. I don't get people who run GPSs in the first place these days with, with vibration dampeners. And and it's it's well known that you and I both run quad lock. Uh, you put your phone on there. It's got everything I could possibly want and it appears to my, uh, my headset. So why have a GPS? It's just another thing I have to charge, another thing I have to use, another thing I have to remember how to use. And um, yeah, uh, another thing you have to securely store as well when exactly. you're off the bike. You've, you've nailed um, it though. I mean, if it's built into the TFT display, why have an extra device? Yeah, I, and specifically in a country like New Zealand. So I'm going to have to ask them. I'm going to take it back tomorrow. Actually, I was meant to take it back on uh, Tuesday, but um, yeah, sort of plans have changed, and I'm taking it back a day early. Um, so I'm going to ask them why it's specced with that because all you need is the bmw app and then you've got the ability like on so many of these bikes with a built-in um phone connecti- connectivity back to just use your phone through the motorcycle and the tft on this bike is beautiful like it is so crisp uh, so easy to read and it's got a very very cool sport mode function so um again it leans more heavily into that sport side um, so the sport mode function 
it uses the IMU to display your lean angle. So it'll tell you how far over you've leaned the bike. Um, I think I've got it up to 37 degrees, which is not all that lean, but I thought it was pretty good considering riding on public roads. Um, it tells you how much you've been braking, how hard the traction control's working. Um, it's yeah, it's a really, really cool display. Um, and then you can sort of just revert it back to the normal way, so like taco line with speedo and all that kind of jazz. So yeah, it's got some really awesome points to it, this bike. But um, I think sort of the fact that it leans a little bit too hard into the sport um, and isn't as comfortable for the touring side of things is kind of what's ruined it a bit for me is it all electric does it have ride by wire yes so ride by wire throttle rider modes um one thing you notice with the rider modes is in rain mode and road mode which are the two standard modes overseas um again new zealand bikes they get all the fruits so we get dynamic and dynamic pro modes um as soon as you switch it into that dynamic mode it really wakes that bike up and in dynamic pro mode you can tailor the abs um and the traction control um intervention intervention levels as well so i had a good play around with that and sort of you can turn off the traction control to actually allow it to wheelie um so what you're saying is it's, it's a great bike it's got all the power and all the um fruit it just doesn't gel with you it doesn't doesn't tug it it doesn't twang the hearts heart strings yeah it's not a bike that i've sort of gone oh i'm really looking forward to going out and riding this bike tomorrow it's sort of like oh yeah cool i've got i can go ride this bike tomorrow like it's it's there but it's yeah, it's not grabbed me by the heartstrings, which a lot of bikes tend to do. But yeah, I don't, I don't know quite why either. But again, brilliant bike. Um, really nice that it's got a center stand, like made washing it so easy. Um, so it's got it's really well spec'd out. But yeah, I think um, if you're after a sporty touring bike or a sports touring bike with sort of that kind of adventure, tall, upright styling. Um, you don't really have that many options in the market these days either. You've got the uh, Yamaha Tracer 9 GT. Which I would which buy. Just, they just got um, radar um, cruise control as well. Adaptive um, cruise control. Hell yes. Yeah. So one thing I do think about this um, BMW, it was released in 2019. So I'm thinking we're in 2023 now. We are kind of likely to see this get a bit of an update because it has been out for, what, four years now, this model. So in terms of being a premium European machine and seeing what the other bikes in the market are doing, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if um, later this year at, say, Intermot, we see BMW do a big update to the uh, F900 range and maybe even the F850 GSs. More on this bike is going to be up at uh, onthrottle.co.nz. Matt will have a video up on it, no doubt, at his YouTube channel under the same name, onthrottle.nz, as well. Thanks, Matt. Let's dive into Cardo. And a few weeks ago, I released a uh, podcast episode completely recorded using Cardo's new record function. I want to have a quick chat with you about it. Um, the world seems underwhelmed with it, which I'm not surprised because it's only weirdos like you and me that are uh, that are going to be excited <laughs> about it. So we woke up one day only a few creators. weeks ago yeah. Yeah, uh, that Cardo have released um, and a, a function in their latest update for all DMC2 capable devices. So that's the custom, the Neo, and the Edge pack talks, I should say, uh, where you can hit a button and record not only yourself, but everyone on the conversation, which you and I 
would have found interesting and, and, and something to use on our recent, not not to mention all our trips, but our recent um, Maramarini um, Matariki mission. Yeah, didn't they release this like literally a week after we got back? Yep, <laughs> like, yep, they did. We just missed it. <laughs> so I, other other times when I've wanted to record the conversation writing with you or other people, I've introduced another Cardo to the mix, plugged an audio recorder in and just recorded the whole conversation. Listeners to the podcast will have heard those episodes and they're not flash. This function, the audio sound Sounds much better than that, but still not studio quality. Mm, yeah, I um, actually had to play around with it the other day while riding the F900. Just I've got my camera set up, which I've recently tweaked to basically have everything on a Dango mount. Um, so microphones on the front of the Dango, cameras on there. Um, and I wanted to compare the audio I was getting on this versus what the Cardo was able to get. And it, it kind of sounded like Funkle quality to me. Um, like it was still quite nice and clear and I could hear it um, but yeah the audio I was getting through the camera with my lapel mic right at my lips and everything um, just sounded a little bit more natural um, to me yeah you're exactly one thing right. I was just thinking uh, sorry yeah you're exactly right the audio through your camera system will be far superior to what you get through that system through the Cardo one thing I was just thinking before as well when um, you were we're doing the intro to the podcast and I was faffing around trying to find the recording I did was um, I'd love Cardo to actually make it so you can use the app now without having a Cardo physically paired to it at the time. So in order to get this recording off my phone, because it hadn't saved to my folder of other things, um, I had to open up the Cardo app. But in order to use the Cardo app, I had to have my Cardo turned on, um, which was <laughs> a bit... Mm, like can't access it unless the card is on um which is frustrating but other than that like it's i think it's a cool system and next time we ride together which is probably going to be in six months or something ridiculous if we're lucky um got to try it out um, in terms of the group intercom absolutely looking forward to that maybe a t uh, maybe a uh a 42 traverse or something of that nature but yes if you're not a content creator you don't create videos or do podcasts you're not going to want this uh this feature and you can go into the settings and hide the function from your cardo home screen on your app um let's move on matt the final thing we want to talk about uh the matamarini xcape uh you've got it home you got it cleaned after the matariki mission and you've been bolting on some bolt-ons some accessories yes so i got sent the accessory windscreen um for it which i've done a quick video which is now live at um the on throttle youtube channel and um yeah really easy to chuck on and it looks a lot better in person than it does in the marketing photos which um you often find with marketing photos they don't really show things off in their best light um but i haven't actually been able to ride it yet but the install was stupid easy it's three bolts the hardest thing was literally unwrapping the new screen without scratching it so <laughs> um, is it bigger taller wider what's the story why would you put it on so okay so i put it on because the motor marini xcape has it's kind of like a diamond shaped um windscreen on it that you do get a fair bit of buffeting um because it's the, so the narrow comes around the sides of it it comes around it yeah so the accessory screen it's about 400 dollars um, from the dealer and it's a lot more aerodynamic it's wider all the way throughout but it's also about an inch taller uh, so it bolts in using the factory mounts and everything um still can 
articulate up and down on the um, factory sliding mount as well. So it should um, make give me a bit more of a more comfortable touring bubble. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I've got a plan on Tuesday night to ride up to Auckland with it. Um, I also fixed the puncture that I picked up on the Nakaruki mission, which was another first for me, um, using a tyre repair kit and plugged that up and didn't me mess it up because I've still got pressure in the rear tyre. Um, so I will let you know um, in the very near future what difference it's made, if any. Uh, but I like the look of it, I think it looks really good. So that's a big positive for me anyway because yeah, the, the screen on the X-Cape's a bit odd looking. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So on throttle.co.nz's website, check it out on YouTube as well. Search out on throttle NZ. Thank you so much, Matt. My stuff, motonz.com is the website, or search out MotoNZ on YouTube. We've got a new video on both channels going up every single week. And Matt, I've taken a leaf out of your book. I've started releasing them on the weekends because I think people like to lay in bed or lay on the couch on a Sunday afternoon or evening and, and look at YouTube. So we're capitalizing <laughs> on that. Um, the magazine, Kiwi Rider Magazine, out twice a month, absolutely free for you to read. Over 100 pages of Kiwi motorcycling goodness. Go to kiwirider.co.nz for that. Matthew, thank you very much for joining me this week. No worries, man. Happy to do it. I was literally just sitting on the couch looking at YouTube, so <laughs> gave me something productive to do. Outstanding. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time.